0: Trigger warning. This episode may discuss one or more of the following topics. Violence. Death, including that of people of Indigenous descent. War. Abuse. Medical issues. Self-harming behaviour. Eating disorder behaviour or body shaming. Drug and alcohol addiction. Sexual activity. Hate speech or strong abusive language. Discrimination and stereotypes. These potential topics have remained part of the episode as it forms part of the interviewee's story, which cannot be accurately told without including such information. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. G'day and welcome to another episode of Spectrum Uncensored. Today I have with me Trina from Melbourne in Victoria. Thank you for taking some time to have a chat today. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. No worries. Did you want to tell me a little bit about what you were diagnosed and when you were diagnosed?
1: Okay. So, I'm 52 years old and it's um, it's only just about a year since I was diagnosed. Um I've known like many people um for a long time. Um pretty pretty sure that I was autistic. I was diagnosed um autism uh level 2. Um, what else, ADHD, P, uh, PDA, Pathological Demand Avoidance, yep. uh, complex CPTSD, Complex uh, Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, and um, Giftedness. So I got to add a whole lot of acronyms to the end of my name. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a bit of a, a rap sheet.
0: I pretty much <laughs> yes. got, got all of those two, including the, the uh, CPTSD. So um, uh, yeah. I don't think you can kind of go through... Your childhood undiagnosed and not end up with trauma of some description. I completely and utterly agree.
1: I, how old are you?
0: I'm 33, um, oh, yeah. and I was only diagnosed last year too. So, okay. um, yeah, a couple of a couple of days after my 32nd birthday, I was diagnosed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I had the benefit of being diagnosed earlier than you <laughs> in <laughs> uh, the grand scheme of life, but I will yeah. say when I. When I looked at your um your profile and you said fifty-two, I'm like, no, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so how does your disabilities um affect your day to day?
1: every moment of every day is affected by being neurodivergent. There's not a second that isn't. Um so for me it's like I'm experiencing an enormous amount of data. There's an enormous amount of information that's coming to me from the external world, from my own internal experience all the time. And then the I'm experiencing that that data, you know, like physically, so sensations in my body, like tingling, Or pressure or tension and then I'm experiencing the sheer amount of that data on an emotional level like my emotions are really big you know it joy is really big and sadness is really big my partner came home from work the other day and he walked in the door and I was crying snot tears everywhere. He's like, do I need to be worried? I said, he said, is it Grey's Anatomy? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and um, and he's like, okay, and then just got on with, you know, cooking dinner. And um, so that's the emotions. And then on a thought level, um, that data is kind of coming in and being received on a thought level here, 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 here everywhere, right? So that sheer amount of data the receptivity of that data, and then the gathering and compiling together and the processing of that data on all those different levels, the resources required to do that are enormous. And just like I don't think that and, unless you've experienced it yourself, you can truly understand the sheer amount of resources that go into just
0: existing and trying to prioritize all that information too I find like yeah. <laughs> you, you you're trying to work out what's most important to kind of process first and it's it's practically impossible it's just like I've had a few people describe it as like um bees in your brain like constantly buzzing around and it's just chaos and that's I don't know it's just there's no real other way to describe it except chaotic and intense
1: yes exactly and then you find yourself you know in social interactions and you, all this data is coming to you, right? And, it's, and people, you know, throughout my life have said to me so many times, you're too intense or you overthink things or don't take things so personally. Um, but I can't help it. It's like I can't switch down the way that my body receives this data and this sensory input all the time and then the challenges that I have with Um, you know, the the sensory processing of all that information. Um, It's like trying to tell me not to have an arm when I have an arm. Like, it's ridiculous. And But, you know, the effect that that has on your sense of self and your self-worth and your self-esteem is, you know, why uh, people like you and I end up with, you know, CPTSD um, because of that, denigration of the essence of you know what our true experience of life is um yeah so in those social situations when I'm talking to somebody and sometimes words in sentences from a person don't arrive in straight lines There's a word here and a word there and a word here, and I'm quickly trying to put them into the right order so that I can then understand what is actually being said to me at the same time of picking up on all these micro cues that are taking place in their body and then putting all that together and then kind of trying to make sure that the wrong words don't come out of my mouth, right, because... that the, 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 what's socially acceptable here, because you know I'm noticing all these micro things, and um, you know that that becomes a, a challenge. And and you know I'm. It, it's not to say that every single moment of my life is horrible or terrible. That's not my point. It's just that the managing of my resources has to be meticulous for me to function as a everyday person. And so if something happens, for instance, like somebody turns up late to something, like the dysregulation that I feel through my body on every single level, the thought level of what's going on, what's happening, da, 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 um, the emotional level might be rage. Um, and the, um, the physical sensations that I'm having, kind of trying to quickly regulate that together so that, um, I don't just completely and utterly collapse and fall apart into nothing, into a pool of water um, and just disintegrate into ash, you know, <laughs> um, is um, is huge. And then it'll be, yeah, but, you know, Trina, I was only 20 minutes late or something. It's like uh, that's going to take me quite a while to recover. And now I'm standing here trying not to cry uh, because I'm stressed and I'm worried about how I'm going to do all the stuff that I have planned for the rest of the day yep because that knock-on effect exactly the knock-on effect because I've used way more resources than I had planned I was most likely going to need for this particular task yeah and I think
0: too you get like people um saying that we're critical or um like we're kind of perfectionists in a way we're kind of all Mm -hmm. in so it's all or nothing kind of thing but we just want it to work we want systems to work so we get kind of like that labeled with that oh you know they're uh, they're rude or abrupt or um you know and yeah we do have that no filter problem <laughs> so yeah. and the no like we have tax but it's just like not really knowing we don't have the tools to kind of know when to use those things a lot of the time so it's time as you say trying to work out in social settings what to say and what's acceptable and saying even timing timing is hard like we'll, yes. we'll cut people off or we won't know when to to say our part and then you'll kind of you'll be trying to follow along in the conversation you're like I can do this I can have a conversation and then you're trying to keep up with what they're saying while you're trying to think of what you're going to say, but then you keep letting them talk and then that moves the goalposts and you're like, okay, so I can't say that now, it's too, we're too far gone, so you're trying to think of the next thing. And it's almost like um, dys- dyslexia of the thoughts because, yes. <laughs> as you say, it's very jumbled up, so you're trying yes. to marry everything up and then by the time you do, that, that moment has passed.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. That is my experience as well. Yeah, and I think, at, like, do you feel like you, you've you got
0: friends and stuff that are neurodivergent too or a mixture of both?
1: Um, the friends that I'm close to, that I am closest to at the moment, uh, definitely have um, aspects of neurodivergence. Um, mm-hmm. And then I... For instance, I'm meeting a couple of friends tomorrow and I've only literally just told them. Um, yep. I, I'm very discerning about who I come out to and when I come out, um, yep. my own protection. And um, so I do find that I jive much more easily <laughs> with the neurodivergent people. I've recently joined a neurodivergent um, meetup group, which is a fortnight. Yeah. And yep. I was there last Friday and it was it, it was really enjoyable, actually, because, you know, we, we, we speak on, you know, fun kind of uh, more superficial level, for instance, like somebody was saying, you know, my co-workers think I'm weird because when I go uh, and get lunch and I order a hamburger, I ask that there be one piece of lettuce on top of the, bit, the bottom bit of bun and then that has to be dried properly if you wouldn't mind and then if you can put the this on... <laughs> other piece of lettuce up there and then and he said and they think I'm weird and everyone just went, no, that's like, yeah, we we totally understand that's normal. Um, It's liberating. Exactly, I have my own that and then so this level right down to the depths of you know, some of the the more existential pain that you're dealing with um, you know, personally and interpersonally on a day-to-day level and just being in a group of people that can go from here to 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 here, to here, to here. <laughs> keep up with you. Not you, not have to feel so self conscious about it. And um, and yeah, I, I find that quite enjoyable. And you've got permission to stim there, should you need to. Um, you know, one of the things that I find, you know, a pathological demand avoidance. So. The sheer amount of demands in this world is overwhelming. Um, and whether, you know, the demand might be something like having a shower, like the, oh, I'll go, you know, days. Um, I'm not going to say how long I would go. <laughs> <laughs> I get what like, you're saying. Um, yeah. And, um, and just the demand to not stim, you know. Um, I do a lot of verbal stimming. And um, I do a lot of movement stimming and uh, m- moving my body around. This morning I went and got coffee and I was standing there waiting for my takeaway coffee and I was dancing. And um, nowadays I let myself do that kind of stuff. And um, I guess my, my sense of self is such that I can hold myself through, not always, but a lot more easily I can hold myself through the fact that it's uncomfortable for other people what I'm doing, um, and just focus on the fact of how comfortable it is for me, and yeah. um, and then other times uh, I can't. Um, yeah, so I just completely went off track then. Into- no, that's all right. Yeah. I, I like
0: that. Yeah, I I didn't realise how much I was stimming until I was diagnosed. And I do a lot of that, vocal stimming, so I'll just start singing about random things. Like I'll just, like I'll, I'll try, all of a sudden my life will just become a musical and I'll be singing about a sandwich I'm making or something.
1: I have so many musicals. I put musicals on for my dog, my partner. I make I sit them down as an audience and I do a complete production and I look my partner in the eye so intensely and I make him hold my stare. And at the end of it, he always says to me, it was the look on your face that was so deeply disturbing. It was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing is like I've
0: realised that a lot of my eccentric kind of aspects of my personality are stims and things like I'll do the same thing. I'll dance around and um, especially when I'm happy, like, it's almost like the happy flapping kind of thing um my son does a lot of that but it's just interesting and it's nice it's so empowering and liberating when you just embrace yourself as as who you are and i guess what you are in a way but um but yeah it it is hard and i really appreciate you actually coming and chatting because it must be a big thing for you knowing that this is going to be distributed you were saying that you are very selective with who you normally would tell so Um, but Mm. I find like it is, it's very liberating when you just lay it out all out on the table because I, I found like, it's very scary in the beginning and you're worried that you're going to lose people and lose friends and things like that. But I've kind of gotten to that place now where it's like, if I lose them, they weren't for me anyway. Um, like all my friends and you're (laughs) a divergent for sure. So
1: Yeah. I'm trying to find more of a neurodivergent community. So if there's anybody out there that lives in Melbourne and that wants to um, connect, I'm really open to that. Um, I I feel like I need that more in my life so that I've got that sense of belonging to help kind of reduce the level of aloneness um, and isolation that I can feel at times. You know, I'm talking about the joy and the joy is real. Um, And then those other um, places of, you know, uh, I don't know if you experience this too, Jamie Lee, but I'll go through periods where I'm like, I'm not autistic. I'm just, I don't know, unwell. Yeah. Um, a- and I mean, I don't know, that might sound really wrong. Um, but even what I mean by that is that I get pathologized so often. Yeah. So um, I'll be... Expressing my experience of the world, and people go, and people will think that maybe um, I'm looking to solve a problem. I'm not. I'm just expressing my my experience of the world, and then I'll be like, oh, well, you know, what you can do to make sure that doesn't happen or this doesn't happen is that you should be doing more of this, or maybe you should be doing that. It's very invalidating and diminishing to my sense of self to be constantly told what is not right with me and what I need to fix. Um, when I'm not, I'm not a pathology, I'm a difference and, um, yeah, and that, that can be super draining until I get to a point where I sort of start to believe it as well. Maybe I'm just a a pathology. Um, but then they're, they're usually the times when I've experienced some very significant burnout in my life, um, and continue to. And, um, so uh, they're, they're the times that I have to go into isolation, and I think that that's also one of the tricky things about um, social connection because I really crave social connection, um, and and that is that I will have to disappear sometimes, completely disappear. I can't return your phone calls, I can't reply to your text messages. Just the demand, just the demand, even though you're not being demanding, but just the demand of needing to even think about replying is. I'm incapable of it. You and that's know? the
0: good thing about having neurodivergent friends. They get that. But exactly. then there are so many things at play because you, if you feel that you have to remove yourself, you suddenly are worried that, oh, you're going to get a bit of RSD with the rejection sensitivity yeah. dysphoria and you'll be like, oh, are they going to then not be my friends anymore because I've disappeared for a month? And then you're going to get like you've got the PDA side of things and then it's just when the more more kind of disabilities you have, the more compounded it becomes because they all kind of work against each other. And yes. I'm starting to think that, I, yeah, I'm starting to think that I have PDA as well because mm. there's times where I will, I just can't make a decision. And it, someone's like, you know, what do you want for dinner? And it's like, I just can't like, just you decide. And they're like, but j- it's just a simple question. You want this or this? And I'm like, I can't, I just can't just please just make the decision for me. Um, and and it's the same with um adhd and things like that you know there's there's so many different push and pull effects as you were um, demonstrating and especially you got the autism and the adhd that pushes and pulls against each other and it's just it's a lot and the more you have with that kind of stuff i feel the more susceptible you are to the burnout and i've i've thought there's been times where i've thought oh as you say with, with autism, like, am I autistic or am I just, you know, ill? And mm-hmm. there's been times where I've thought, do I have some of these things or do I just have, like, depression or something? Am I just really mm. depressed? Um, so it, it, it's so hard. Like, I've got that anxiety on top of things. I think with these kinds of diagnoses, you're going to have anxiety no matter yeah. what. Um, but it is. The more people don't really realise that you can have all of these disabilities... And then they, they do, they all fight against each other. And so that's happening in your head 24-7. It's not something mm-hmm. that's like it's autism one day and ADHD the next. Um, I mean, you, there's moments where you feel like you're on top of the world and that without these disabilities, you wouldn't have these extra kind of superpowers of like, hyper focus. Like when you're hyper-focused, it's like, wow, this is amazing. I'm just like on top of the world and I could do anything. And then, and then you dive and then it's like, nope,
1: I can't. How do I come out of that focus? Like, and if somebody pulls me out of that focus, when I'm in a hyper-focus, I can be extremely angry. Um, yep. because how am I going to get back into that flow again? Um, and, um, my hope, my hyper-focus means that, my capacity to work, because I work a job that is my special interest, yeah. um, means that the special interest com- allows me to be able to hyper- hyper-focus in many ways. Um, yes. It's very hard for me to focus on something I'm not interested in. Um, and I'm just like, I feel like a machine that's just like, <laughs> when I see <laughs> this here he and see that there and, and da and it's so dynamic. And It can be really enjoyable and at times it feels like I'm being, instead of me sort of like sitting at the centre of that and kind of owning that, I'm being kind of like dragged along by that and it feels um, incredibly depleting. Um, But, yeah, yeah, exactly. There are aspects to the autism and the ADHD and there's different diagnoses that give me. And I think like um, the... You know, nowadays, you know, I do get depressed and um, but I I have, you know, I've been in this body for 52 years now, um, witnessing my experiences, uh, gathering knowledge and wisdom from those experiences, my highs, my lows and my in-betweens to gather a kind of working knowledge of how to be me <laughs> and survive and um, and the fact that I've survived I count as one of my greatest achievements and at times I've not only survived, I've thrived. Um, and um, I've, I count that as an achievement because there's many times where survival has felt like it's never going to happen, you know. Mm. I'm never going to actually make it through this moment to the next moment. It's not possible. And that's usually when depression hits. Yeah. And um, I feel like I've become relatively good and I've invited you know my closest friends and my family to help me out with this to you know when when I am depressed versus when I am burnt out etc so that I can manage with the right accommodations and the right support and the right tools and then coming back to that idea of pathologizing like when I first met my partner um about 11 years ago now um he really gave me permission to just be myself and, you know, right from the very, he's a pr- pretty intense person himself and um, is, you know, had his own struggles in his life so isn't afraid of intense emotion <laughs> and yep. intensity and and intense experiences, right? Like many other people I've encountered are and so I have to zip it um, yep. and, you know, out more on the surface to make everybody else comfortable. But, um, yeah, is that he really gave me permission to just go for it, just be you, Trina. And at first he, he would want to try and problem solve me. If I would crash, he'd want to try yeah. and problem solve me. But then after a while he found that the best thing he could do would be take care of the um, a, a grand majority of the demands in my life, even though he wouldn't use this language, make me dinner, um, and hold the edges and just hold the space because I... I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I have a certain amount of wisdom and I'm not stupid and yeah. I know how to deal with me. And if I don't know, then I've got quite a bit of resources to go to nowadays.
0: That's the thing. I think a lot of people treat it as incompetence and that's where where trouble begins. Yeah. Is it's You're not incompetent. You're just having a moment and the moment will pass. It just, we can't say when, but um, it, it is, it's, you do get depressed and you have your really low lows and your high highs and life is all ups and downs. So that's not, that doesn't really fly with us. Like we just like to be, you know, on the level plane, nice and routine. Um, but as I say, comorbidities um, also prevent that from occurring. You've got the autism routine, but then you've got the impulsivity of ADHD. So it's just like, it's a bit of a mess, but um but it sounds like at least you've got some good supports in place. And it sounds like you've got a really fantastic partner who does just embrace all that you are, which is what everybody neurotypical or otherwise, neurodivergent mm. or otherwise, wants in their life. So it's it is it's all about finding those supports and and having people that give give you that ability to go okay I'll let you carry me through for a little bit so Mm -hmm. it's it is very very important and um you were saying your career so that Mm -hmm. that did that kind of stem from do you feel like obviously you would only diagnose last year but Mm -hmm. um and you've been doing your career a lot longer but do you feel like it's kind of been you've chosen that through influence of that potential neurodiversity at the time? Do you feel like it yeah, kind totally. of was like your calling
1: as a result? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I have um, as well as all, you know, those those different neurodiverse diagnoses, I have other health diagnoses. And um, I think that that's fairly common, you know, like autoimmune diseases and so forth um, in people with neurodivergence. Um, I have many personal theories around that. I think a lot of it's to do with the the consumption of resources and the inability to be able to build those resources up as fast as you're using them and yep. then the effects that has on the body physiologically, mentally and emotionally. And, um, you know, I was finding myself with physical symptoms that I would go to the doctor and... Uh, I just kept being put in these boxes that didn't fit and it was very dislocating and distressing. And um, I have a wonderful GP who I'm super grateful for. She's actually really supported me right throughout my life. Um, and then um, I ended up getting some acupuncture for um, endometriosis Yep. and I found that really helpful and then I was wanting to change careers. I was in my early 20s. I kind of hit this point where I realised that I had no idea who I was, yep. that I was a collection of these different ideas of who I thought I should be, but there was no substance in there and it was yep. very distressing, distressing and it was like an existential breakdown.
0: I can relate and- to that. It's just yeah. mask after mask and you yeah. don't know
1: what's real anymore. Exactly. And so yeah. I went and I studied um, traditional Chinese medicine at university and got my degree. And uh, psychicness runs in my family. So I then, um, as I was practising I Chinese medicine, I put my hands on acupuncture points and I'd pick up all this information from people. And um, th- there's definitely a level of my neurodivergence that's involved in that, but it's not entirely my neurodivergence. I'm not sure, like, um, some of the giftedness is involved in that and some of it is just, you know, biological um, from, you know, my my genetics, I think. And um, so now I work as a psychic spiritual healer, but I kind of, I ended up going in that direction because I just wasn't getting the understanding about what was going on for me yep. and how it all fitted together. Yeah. And um, and then I was able to get more understanding from that and I was able to improve my quality of life um, by um, reducing some of my symptomology and having more tools to manage um, my, my symptoms uh, physically mentally and emotionally and one of the things that actually um, drove me to get a formal diagnosis was because I actually work with quite a few uh, neurodivergent kids and yep. when um, I'm working with them and we start discovering that they're neurodivergent and then I you know I tell their parents and um, I you know recommend that they go and see this professional, this professional. Um, and then when I tell the parents that I too am neurodivergent, that I am autistic, ADHD and all the other things, um, the relief for them is significant because they see me as, um, you know, having a, 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 having a life in some way and they're mm. terrified for the future of their kids and, you um, and so I thought that, you know, being a spiritual healer is already too odd in our world as it is, you know. And so um, I, I, need, I wanted the credibility of that stamp that says, yes, you are. And um, I was pretty sure that I, you know, I was, I was certain anyway. But, um, yeah, so,
0: yeah. I mean, you always are. Uh, I feel yeah. like everyone knows deep down, but you, it, it mm-hmm. does. It hits you differently when somebody actually says to you, "Yes, you definitely are." Um, that you know can actually formally diagnose you. But um, in regards to diagnoses, um, what would you say to somebody that suspects that they could have one or more disabilities and they haven't been diagnosed yet? What, would, what advice would you give them?
1: So. I've found it a a lengthy decision to make about whether or not to pursue a diagnosis. I also want to acknowledge the privilege in being able to do so, um, having a big access thing. to resources and money, you know. Um, I'm not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, it's, it's costly and it's hard. Uh, there's not many resources out there to get diagnosed. And um, so... I would say allow yourself to process that decision for as long as you need to Um, because I think that the deeper that you've arrived, you know, I often say to people uh, a no is a no, you know, when you feel a no and then when a maybe is a maybe, don't try and make a maybe a no or a yes, you know, like stay in that zone of maybe for however long you need to until you, you feel like you've made the right decision for you. Um, I, per, yeah, so I would say that to them, um, I would say that I was surprised by the relief. I, I, I sort of didn't really expect that. I, I guess I'd had many different, you know, I have medical trauma as well, uh, my, my psychologist calls it. So, um, you know, there, there was aspects of me that didn't want to put myself in the medical system Yep. Um, due to, you know, ways that the experiences that I'd had in the past, um, even though I've had some really good medical experiences as well, I'm, I'm definitely not against Western medicine or anything like that. I believe holism includes every type of therapy and every type of medicine and what works for you works for you. Go for it. That's great trust um, is important though. Yeah, trust and feeling safe. You know, when yep. you have CPSD, like feeling safe is a major thing. So, um, yeah, I if, and when I went to my GP, I went to her and I I I said to her I think I'm autistic. Um I definitely and and have ADHD. And she went, "No." And I went, "Yeah, yeah. she went. Not you, Trina. You're really successful, and uh, yeah, which you know, like, no shame on her, right? Like, Mm. just you know, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do your podcast, Jamie Lee, because we need to raise awareness, right? Um, Yeah, make it safe and comfortable for people to, you you know, um, be able to disclose the misunderstandings that they have so that they can actually get themselves educated and that makes it better for all of us and especially for the children out there, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so um, she was like, no. She goes, well, tell me why you think that. And I said, well, the sheer amount of organisation that goes into me doing any one thing in any one day shouldn't be that much. And then I started to articulate to her and she's like, oh, my goodness, that does sound like autism. Um, and that bit does sound like ADHD. I'm just a very effective masker, right? Yeah, and women are generally mm. and
0: it, it most mm. of it's going on in our heads so
1: no one can see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't reveal, I didn't, you know, reveal all that stuff to people. And when I've revealed it to other professionals uh, in the past, they've put me in some boxes that don't suit me and sent me down treatment um, paths that have, that have utterly failed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was scary. Um, and, yeah, and so then she set me up with somebody and I got the diagnosis. And then when I did get that diagnosis, there was a level of uh, like, you know, I cried quite a bit. Yep. feel quite emotional. Like, yeah, because...
0: It's a grieving process.
1: Yeah. And, and it's grieving but it's also just like a, a, a big outbreath you know, like, oh, like oh. you feel
0: all the emotions really tied into it. Yeah, you go through grief t- and then you go through mm. happiness now that you know, but then, yeah, it is. It, it It's a lot to take in and, mm. I mean, you you start pro- trying to process your entire life up until that point too with that new information.
1: Yeah, everything kind of goes through a reorganisation in, inside. Yes. It's like, oh, yeah, that bit, oh, yeah, that bit makes sense. Or, oh, yeah, that bit, that bit makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yes everything reorganises inside of you, like somebody shifts all the books on the bookcase and then you're like, ah, oh, yeah, right. And I think that the ultimately it, it was a boost to my sense of self and my self-esteem and I'm, I'm, I'm personally glad that I did it. So therefore I would say if you're considering getting a diagnosis, um, yeah, make the decision that's right for you um work through whatever you need to work through so that um you know you're not re-traumatising yourself. You're you're building yourself up, you know. Yeah. I mm.
0: love that. Yeah. Definitely gotta mm. take care of yourself and, and mm. kind of go, you know, support yourself through that kind of process and that journey. But thank you so much um, for your time and coming in and chatting to me. It's been an absolute honour to get to know you and have a chat. <laughs> I love thank meeting you. everybody. I've, I haven't come across a single person that isn't awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I don't expect but... to <laughs> because we
1: all are. <laughs> but thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much for doing what you're doing. Thank you. Take care. Bye.